Some call me Steve, Dad, Husband or Friend. Others might call me Boss, Coach or Mentor. Today you can call me the Leadership Hacker. Thanks for listening in, I really appreciate it. My job as the Leadership Hacker is to hack into the minds, experiences, habits and learning of great leaders, C-suite executives, authors and development experts so that I can assist you developing your understanding and awareness of leadership. I'm Steve Rush and I'm your host today. I'm the author of Leadership Cake, I'm a transformation consultant and leadership coach and can't wait to start sharing all things leadership with you. Today's special guest is Fred Joyle. He's a speaker, author and business coach on the superpower of boldness and the author of Super Bold, From Underconfident to Charismatic in 90 Days. But before we get a chance to speak with Fred, it's the Leadership Hacking News. We're going to explore names. Names matter. My name is Steve. Everybody introduces himself with this one special gift that we were given from the moment of our birth. Yet how often do we get people's names wrong? And how often do we give ourselves the permission to say, oh, I'm terrible with names, but I'm great with faces? A somewhat convenient excuse, maybe. We live and work in a really multicultural society. Our names come from all over the world and not necessarily from the location you're in. They sound different, have different spellings, They may be shortened names that are nicknames almost in replace of their real names, but come in many different ways. Some of my kids, in fact, have even changed their names, well, metaphorically changed their names growing up because they thought they weren't comfortable with this particular label, but soon changed it back. Whichever way we think about our names, it's our identity. You must know how it feels when somebody gets your name wrong. And that's because getting someone's name right really matters. It may take a bit of extra effort, you may have to ask them to spell it. However, often minimal effort as a leader can really engage people when they know you know them. And this demonstrates you're willing to take an interest in them and from wherever their name derives, their culture too. So is this such a big effort? Let's have a look. The acknowledgement firstly that the name is tricky for you is okay. Let people know that if they have got a tricky name that demonstrates you care enough Recognise you may need to take time to practice somebody's name. And as much as that sounds crazy, it will make a huge impact to the relationship. Ask the person for clarification if you're unsure. I've made loads of mistakes on this podcast initially. When I've had guests come on the show, and made an assumption on how their name was spelt. Only to have to re-edit episodes to get their name right. And by practising and persevering until you do get it right, you create a bond between the individual and you. When we address your colleagues by name, especially in team settings and meetings, it helps collaboration and that behavior will help create effective teamwork. Saying people's names is a strong signal that you see them, you value them and that you want their input. So make this an everyday practice. Greet people by their names, look in their eyes as you do so and introduce colleagues to each other by their names and let's get it right. So the next time you're not sure on how to say somebody's name, just politely ask. I'm not sure how to say your name. Please can you help me pronounce it? Or just be brave and go for it and ask them, did I get that right? You'll soon find out and most importantly, demonstrate once more. 
that you value them. That's been the Leadership Hacking News. Let's go ahead and dive into the show. Fred Joyle is a special guest on today's show. He was the co-founder of Future Dontics, the parent company of 1-800-Dentist, which for over 30 years has generated over a billion dollars in revenue. He's just written a fantastic book called Super Bold, From Underconfident to Charismatic in 90 Days, and it's an Amazon and Wall Street Journal bestseller. He's also been a TV and commercial actor, as well as a stand-up comedian, and now sharing his learning through coaching, speaking, and other business consultancy. Fred, welcome to our show. Steve, excited to be here. So I've just finished reading Super Bold, and I can tell our listeners without hesitation, it is an amazing read. And personally, for a middle-aged guy and falling into habits, I still found myself thinking, wow, that's me. So we're going to get into some of that a little bit later. But before we do, it'll be really great for you just to share some of that very varied and wide experiences that you've picked up along the way. Yes, I'm happy to do that. I started many years ago as a junior copywriter as an ad agency. And that was the first job I really liked. Like it was the first groove I really found. I was wandering and trying all sorts of things. I was fairly directionless. And then when I hit the advertising world, I thought, oh, I could actually do this I, for a lifetime, you know, for a career. Uh, and it, it led me to starting uh, my own business, which was 1-800-DENTIST, which is a referral service for dentists where we run advertising, run a call center to, to attract the calls and then disseminate those calls out to dentists. And we did that. I did that for about 30 years. I owned the business and sold it about five years ago. Uh, and it was much more successful than we imagined, um, but tons of twists and turns. It, you know, you run a business for 30 years, you know, through recessions and internet booms and busts and all of that. And uh, plenty of good and bad things happen along the way. Uh, and, and that's actually what I coach businesses on now is how to hit different potholes than I hit or not hit them at the same speed that I hit them so that they can they can accelerate their success. Right. And then, of course, got to the point where, you know, Super Bowl became uh, an emerging theme that I that I really wanted to get out. So when you hear the word Super Bowl, you call it Super Bowl because you actually have come to the conclusion, I think I, as I have, having read the book, that it is a superpower, right? Absolutely, yes. I mean, you, if I had to give my child one thing, it would be the confidence to and and understanding that confidence is the foundation boldness is taking that confidence and going into action and and learning what happens when you're bold that bold people have always understood whether they learned it as children or they never unlearned it um but they they learn all of these things that that all of the great stuff in life really occurs when you're bold right and that's how you can have the most impact on the world and you cite in your book actually uh a bunch of successful business leaders and entrepreneurs just share some of those that you share in the book and actually we probably all noticed that there is boldness that comes with that yeah it's certainly uh the, you know somebody like sir richard branson is, is constantly making bold moves He'll, he jumps from industry to industry uh which is a fairly reckless thing to do for most people but he he has had learned that if you approach it in a certain way and you protect your downside risk 
amazing things can happen and you can take that brand from uh from a record business to a telephone business to a soda business to uh an airline to outer space and now a cruise line and hotel lines all of these things he has 400 brands under the virgin uh emblem as far as i know uh somebody like tony shea who uh started zappos um and he didn't start it he actually came into zappos as the ceo and had made millions very young he and his brother had made a, a very successful exit early on that gave him tens of millions of dollars um by the time he was done he had poured every bit of it into zappos yeah uh, and zappos reached a billion dollars of revenue in 10 years so he he generated a hundred million dollars of growth a year by just saying i could go into the shoe business by approaching it in a completely different way and and it, and pushed all his chips in the middle of the table when he when he had complete financial security but he went to the next level and you look at people like elon musk at the moment who's continually reinventing himself he's just bought twitter and everybody's asking the question now what does this guy want with twitter yeah and he's not going to tell us right away exactly <laughs> but it, it fits into his his grand scheme or it's it's just something he said I, this has to be done differently, whether, whether just like he looks at transportation uh, as being uh, needing to be disrupted and uh, satellites in outer space. And, you know, like, why would you launch a rocket and throw away the booster? You, you know, he looks at things like that. Uh, you know, why would you build a car and not use the battery as the chassis? Uh, for an electric car, those those kind of things. And why not dig tunnels under cities? Why not create that technology? Yeah. What Twitter's got to do with that? Who knows? Yeah. But he, he guesses right quite often. It does, yeah. And to your experience, when you think of entrepreneurs and business people, can you actually be successful and uber successful without being bold? I don't think so, because you need to go into action without certainty right and actually say I, I, whatever happens i'm going to learn from it i'm going to absorb that knowledge and 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 make whatever changes or or go in a in a 180 degree different direction because the the marketplace has told me something about the that what it wants and it wasn't what I thought I wanted, hmm. but they gave me a big clue and now I can go in that direction. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it, he started even when he, you know, Elon Musk started, uh, you know, the, the, the Tesla, it was a, it was a little Lotus with a, an electric engine and it was a sports car. It, it only, it really only was fast. It wasn't comfortable. It wasn't useful as a car. Uh, for most of the fight, it was a toy. Mm. But then he said, okay, what people really need is a multi-passenger vehicle. And it actually created a seven-passenger vehicle. And, and the reason a lot of people don't realize that the original Tesla uh, sedan was seven passengers, because he's got five kids. <laughs> <laughs> Practical as well. Yes. Uh, but But you have to be able to uh little things like give feedback uh takes boldness accept feedback takes boldness meeting people the the cornerstone of anybody's success 
is their ability to to meet whomever they want yeah whenever they want and and create a real connection with those people not network but actually connect yeah. with people and that's that that takes stepping up and it, de- it takes developing those skills boldness allows you to develop these skills with they don't you can't you can read about them all day but if you don't if you're not bold enough to put them into action you'll never develop the skill if you want to learn to be a great public speaker there's a hundred books on it you can read them all you'll still be a terrible public speaker <laughs> yes right. very true but get on stage and suck <laughs> and you and watch the video of it and you'll get better yeah and every time you get on stage you'll get better so in its rawest sense how would you describe boldness it is chasing your dreams, however, and being going after an opportunity, a moment, uh, whether it's fun, whether it's meeting somebody, whether it's taking a chance uh, uh, on a business, it's putting your idea out there, putting yourself out there, bringing your full self to the world, whether it's in a personal situation or a business situation. Personal situation could be say I, I really want to meet that that attractive young man or or woman across the room at this party, or it could be uh, I I need to raise ten million dollars for my business and I have to have to pitch it so that they believe that I will execute it. And this you know if you if you know investors, they bet on the person. They don't bet on the, the I, there's millions of ideas out there. They call it, we bet on the jockey, not the horse yeah. is what they say. I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've got to, it takes boldness to say, I can make this happen. I will do whatever it takes to make this happen and project that. And, and so it, 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 it you can't succeed without it. And it is, it is just allowing your full self to blossom you don't become somebody else i'm not somebody else than who i was as a young man very shy i am the full me i can bring the full me in every situation yeah and that's impactful what's the reason that some people often get boldness confused with either arrogance or confidence in your experience because they they confuse a narcissist with somebody bold a a narcissist is actually extremely underconfident extremely insecure it's why you you know whatever you think of of former president trump he had an incredibly thin skin uh every every little slight offended them and that's that's very typical of that type of personality that's not bold that's you know boldness true boldness has an element of humility in it because you know that there's so much more that you can become rather than pretending that you are enough or more than enough or or amazing or great it's you're you're moving through the world saying i i can be better yeah because that's what true boldness teaches you is wow just like what you're saying with my book is you consider yourself probably a fairly bold person but as you read the book you say wow that's like five areas i could be bolder definitely uh, yeah. And and that creates as you mature in life, you uh, become more humble because you you appreciate how much more there is to know. But to me, boldness is 
you want to have a, as much of a positive impact on the world because that's that's mature fulfillment. It's not about taking advantage of people or conning people because that's what a confidence man does is con people. He convinces them to trust him. But that's not that. that and that takes a certain amount of boldness. But you've you're feeding the dark side. It's almost misguided boldness, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And the irony behind super bold as well, Fred, is that you learned the techniques that you scribe in the book, but not in 90 days, but in 30 years. Right. So you were a really shy individual, struggled with boldness. How did that transformation come about? You know, I got to really examine it as I was writing the book, and I realized that it was just a, a tremendous amount of frustration that actually I was angry at myself at times because I said, wow, you actually are have missed a great opportunity, whether it was meeting a, a terrific woman or speaking up in a, a certain situation uh, or missing out on uh, you know, a great adventure or or just a very powerful moment or a very important moment, like giving a eulogy for a friend. And, you know, so many people do this. They say, oh, well, I'm not good at public speaking. I, I don't I, I hate to be in front of people. It's like, really, this is your best friend just passed away and you're not going to get up and say something. You're never going to get another chance. That window is going to close. And that's analogous to a lot of things in life. Yeah. These windows of opportunity shut, whether it's that person across the room that you want to meet and you say, oh, look, the, nobody, nobody's talking to Jeff Bezos right now. I can go over and talk to him. And it takes you 10 minutes to get up the nerve. Meanwhile, somebody has walked up and talked to him. Mm. And now you can't interrupt or you have to interrupt, which is going to be even harder. It'll take you 10 minutes more to get up the nerve to do that. You describe a bunch of situations in the book, actually, where you've shared situations where you'd missed out or you thought you could do things. And it's only after the event that that kind of boldness, aha moment presented itself for you. And I saw bold people and I would say, why? Why are they like this? Why are they, why are they not processing rejection the way I do? Why does it bounce off them? Um, and why, they just go in fairly uncertain about the outcome, but they don't care because they know something. They're going to discover something. And and once you start doing it, once you start behaving boldly, you say, "Oh yeah, it's it, it, it's this thing was totally unexpected, but this is this thing's great that happened. I was hoping to do this, but I was open to anything, and then something completely different happened." That was uh, better, uh, and but and, and this is, I, I I love to emphasize this especially early on because a lot of people don't realize this and bold people know this is that there's it's almost as fulfilling to try and fail as it is to try and succeed almost it's very similar. What hurts is not trying. That's painful. That gnaws at you for years, if not forever moments lost almost isn't it you know yeah mm. and but if you tried you're you go a lot easier on yourself look i i walked over and i i talked to that woman and she told me she was married and and i turned around and i said well that's that's lovely to hear nice to meet you and and walked away instead of saying geez i really should have met met her because she she's the girl of my dream now what bold people also find out is they're wrong about those things. They know it's like I could I could stand here and fantasize that that person is is my my soulmate, 
a bold person walks up and, and realizes, wow, this, um, there's, there's very little to connect with this person, this per but they don't, they're not as concerned about the outcome. So they don't project the giant fantasy on top of it. Yeah. Now, all the way through the spine of Super Bowl, you've created this methodology called PRIDE, which is really an acronym of a couple of activities that really help people along the journey. I'd love for us to dive into that because it was when you were describing the PRIDE method, particularly a couple of things that will come out as we, we kick it through. That's definitely when I had my aha moment. And, and I'll share with you and our listeners kind of some of those experiences, too. So how did the pride method come about for you? You know, when I first started teaching boldness, I said, I have to break this down into how I did it and how you could apply it. What would you summon to develop this boldness muscle and, and have the tools in any situation to know how to react? Uh, and so the, and the pride means something. That word is is very special because I, I tell people it's it's not um, being immodest. It's uh, it's about living a life that you're proud of, proud of. Why wouldn't you want to have a, at the end of your life be proud of that life you live? And that means you left it all on the mat. You you took every opportunity. You took every chance. You didn't stack up the regrets. And so let's break down the acronym. It's the, so the P is preparation, R is relaxing, I is insight, D is dosage, and E is everyday action. Yeah. Let's start with preparation. Good place to start. What a lot of people don't realize is that uh, we're, we prepare for all sorts of things like driver's test or, or the, the bar exam or whatever it is. Uh, getting a fishing license even, but we think we don't need to prepare for social interactions and, and that sort of very specific behavior. We think we can just walk up the reason they say, I don't know what I would say to somebody. It's like, that's because you haven't thought about what you would say. Yeah. Uh, if, if Break it down to something simple. I, I want to meet somebody. I'm going to talk to, to a stranger. And this is, by the way, this is what I recommend to everybody is talk to a stranger every day. And I do that now. Yeah. That's so one of the, the key learns for me is I'd okay, and I, I don't even know how this happened, right? Because I would have said I'm quite bold. I can walk through my village and my town, head down, right? Quite comfortable in my own skin. But actually, just smiling and saying hi makes such a difference. Yeah. And it's, it's why not uplift somebody else um, with no, expecting nothing in return? Yeah. And so people say, well, well, I they put all this pressure on themselves. Oh, I want to meet this person. So but I can't think of anything interesting or clever or or or, or funny to say. It's like, wow. Are you, how about being nice? <laughs> how about just introduce yourself? Take take the pressure off yourself, because if you come up and you're that clever, now you've set the bar high. They have to come back and, and be clever or just admire you. Is that what you needed? Did you need to be admired or did you just want to meet them? Mm. And when you, when you prepare yourself to connect with somebody, it's simple, a compliment, uh, ask a question, uh, just say your name and say, hi, I, I'm Steve. I'd, I'd really like to meet you. Uh, that's, you know, that's such a, a, an interesting pair of glasses you've got on. I would love to know where you got them. Mm. Yeah, that's all you have to do, and 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 you prepare yourself to do that. Now, it's you move on through life and say, okay, I'm going to look for a promotion. I need to 
I need to prepare how I'm going to have that interaction with my boss. I'm going to I'm going to rehearse that. I'm going to know what I what I want to say. I'm going to prepare my speech to go raise money from these investors. You're not going to walk in and say, "Oh, I know my business really well." I have watched so many entrepreneurs grossly unprepared to walk into investor meetings. And they think because they know their business so well, they can talk about it really well. Instead of preparing a, a methodical laying out of their business. They actually, their biggest problem is they know too much about their business. Hmm. You say, what does it do? And tell me what it does. I actually just did this this weekend. I said, tell me what your business does in one sentence. This woman talked for five minutes. <laughs> I went like, that was a long sentence. Yeah. And I'm not sure what you do. Because you gave me so much detail that I missed the bullet. That's right. Sure. And and so it, preparation is is critical in, in, in any sort of interaction. Um, and and once once you get good at it, here's here's really important fact: preparation is the foundation for spontaneity. Yeah, you can be spontaneous if you've got the backup. If you know what you could say. I've I've walked up to plenty of people knowing I'm just going to say hi I'm Fred I'd like to meet you and in the moment I notice they have amazing eyes or something like that or an interesting piece of jewelry or they're reading an interesting book whatever it is and now I can talk about that yeah. but I got my backup and it's the same thing on stage you know so relaxation and insight are they correlated yes because the part of relaxing is understanding that you can control your state and a lot of people don't realize that you can control it just by breathing now i go into detail in how you do this but if you check your physiology because we tense up in certain situations and if you just relax your body before i walk on stage i just shake off any excess tension in my body and i take three deep breaths breathing will relax you and there's there's more techniques that i talk about but you can relax yourself, but it doesn't happen when somebody says, why don't you just relax? That just makes you more nervous. It does. Because yeah. it's like, oh, I didn't realize I looked nervous. Uh, that makes me more nervous. Um, but once you relax yourself, it reverses the process. And you say, oh, I can control my state. And, the, and you know, as a public speaker, you, you turn that into energy. You're not like so relaxed that you're like a sloth. You're just you've taken all that anxiety and turned it into energy. So now you're bringing your full self to the stage. So that's the key is, is learning the, the simple ways that you can relax yourself. And some of the ways you relax yourself are the insights. Bold people have key insights. The number one thing is people are not thinking about you anywhere near as much as you think they are. Yeah. <laughs> Who are they thinking about? Yeah themselves right that's it they'll think about you for about four seconds before they rotate back to themselves and but we think 20 years later they're still thinking about that embarrassing moment that we had with them and if you get to talk to them about it they say i i have no recollection of that um and you go no really it was so humiliating for me and it's like I, uh, it's been nagging at me for for decades and, you say, and why would you do that why would it? And so this is what bold people do is they have a tiny, tiny group of people whose opinions really matter to them and everybody else's. They don't. They say other people's opinions uh, of me are none of my business and they act that way. It's yeah. very powerful.
It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Now, your next one, I've got to tell you, was I had probably more aha moments thinking about dosage and how I behaved and how I continued to behave than any of the other things in the book, because this is where you either overplay for something or underplay it and just don't get it right. Tell us about what dosage means for you and how we could use it. It means controlling the intensity of the experience as you build your boldness muscle. And it's this, it's the same principle as, as exercising. If you were trying to get in shape, you wouldn't start by trying to bench press 300 pounds because the bar is going to fall on you and basically decapitate you you would start with lighter weights. This is how you build your boldness muscle is you do simple things that that build that strength to interact with people. Start by smiling at people. Talk to a stranger every day, one or two sentences. What people do is they overload themselves. They say, I, uh, you know, I, I got to stop being shy. I'm going to go to a party and meet people. And I'm going to meet five people. And they don't meet one person because they've they've made it too challenging for themselves. Say, I'm going to go to this party and I'm going to say hi to three people. I'm going to introduce myself to one person. You control that dosage so that you don't retreat back into your shell. And what happens is you gradually expand your comfort zone wider and wider and wider and you look back at yourself and in my, if you do it the way I lay out in the book, you look back at yourself three months ago and you say, wow, I, that was really challenging. Now, now it's nothing. I can walk up, anybody in the coffee line, I'll walk right up and talk to them and I'll think of something to say. And before I know it, we're engaged in conversation. Yeah. And you'll say that was impossible for me. And you know why? Because you built up gradually. If, if this is, people do these things, they put themselves in situations where it's so intense and so there's so much at risk that when it fails, they're tormented by it. That instead of, you know, if you want to meet your soulmate, start meeting everybody so that when you actually meet your soulmate, you can talk like a normal person hmm. um, and have a normal interaction, not overload the whole conversation. And you also learn that, maybe who your soulmate might actually be or not be, but it's, but don't, don't try to do something that, that don't not be prepared by uh, leaping into a situation. That's, that's way more than you can handle. If you're, if you're going to do public speaking, don't start with an audience of 400 people. You're going to crumble. You're going to, you're going to be tongue tied. You're going to sweat bullets you're not going to you'll barely get through your presentation yeah start with five and when i um reflect back on the things that i've done really well it's probably because i got my dosage right where i've got it really wrong is because i've usually got way too much going on and i've been overconfident because i think that's the right thing or i've been over bullish trying to make a sale and that's definitely been a bit of a moment for me. My mum and dad would have probably told me as I was growing up, don't run before you can walk, which used to frustrate the hell out of me because I wanted to run. <laughs> yes. But if somebody described it as just get the dosage right, you know, lift the right amount of weights before you do your 300 pound bench press, as an example, you can start to think that actually we, we all have to find the right level of dosage. Otherwise, you will never be confident enough or feel 
confident enough to be more bold. And it's a very personal thing. You have to decide what dosage is right for you. Everybody is developing their confidence and boldness from a different starting point. So don't compare yourself to somebody else and say, well, why did this, this person, they just walk through the party and they meet everybody they, they want to. I want to be that. So I'm going to start doing that. Yeah. You are where you are and you're going to work your way up from there. You'll, you can get as far as you want to go, but it's a steady upward climb. It is, it is, it is not a series of quantum leaps. Indeed it is. Yeah. So when I look back on my career, I think I've actually forgotten to be bold I've got up the habit of being bold and what you've allowed me to rethink and reframe is your Ian pride which is everyday actions recreating those simple habits to become more bold tell us a little bit about what that means yeah and this is really a life skill is to know that if you want to accomplish something if you want to achieve something that whether it's personal growth or uh, building a business or writing a novel or whatever, or learning an instrument, work at it every day, even if it's for five minutes. If uh, I learned this from someone who was talking about how they wrote a book and they said, I just, I had a requirement that I was going to write one sentence of that book every day, no matter what. And they said, you know, what, what happened is sometimes I'd write a sentence and I'd let myself off the hook because I was tired or whatever, but I always wrote a sentence. And then sometimes I write a paragraph. Sometimes I write a page or two pages. I'd, I'd hit a hit a hit a sweet spot, and away I'd go. But the fact that that they got to it every day tells your brain this is who I am. This is and and if you don't, if you do it on the weekends or you do it when you feel like it, you're a dabbler, and your brain says, "Oh, we're a dilettante. We're a dabbler. This this isn't important to us." And I ask people say, well, no, I, I don't, I don't, I write when I feel I really get in the, the headspace, really feel like it. I said, wow, do you only exercise when you feel like it? Because that would only be like <laughs> twice a year for me. Exactly right. I'm me. <laughs> you know? Um, and so when you, and the other thing about setting a goal to do it every day is you don't have to decide to do it or not. It's like brushing your teeth. You're going to do it. It's just when. And you'll get to that point where you say, well, oh, my gosh, it's like seven o'clock at night. I haven't talked to a stranger. I'm going to go to the grocery store. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I'm going to just say to something, I'm going to talk to somebody in the produce department just because it's like I can't go to bed without doing that. And and what two things happen. The first thing is the brain says this is we, we are a person who meets people comfortably. Uh, we are we, we know how to behave boldly. The uh, the other thing that happens is just like controlling the dosage, it aggregates. Everything that you work at every day, no matter how little, aggregates. You want to lose, learn a language, learn uh, three words a day. At the end of the year, you know a thousand words. At 1,500 words you can, in any language, you can have a conversation with anybody. Yeah, it's powerful stuff, isn't it? So it aggregates. It, it builds gradually. And your dreams decay not because they're so hard. It's because you don't get to them. Yeah. You think you will get to them. I can get to that next year. And you and I have both lived long enough to know how fast the decade goes by at this point. Totally. And yeah. uh, it, that's a harsh, harsh lesson. Indeed. So we're going to 
give our listeners an opportunity to find out how they can get hold of some tools that you've got on your website that will help people with some of these activities. But before we do that, we're going to just flip the lens a little bit. This is where we hack into your leadership brain. And I'm super looking forward to this because you have such an enormous back catalogue of experiences to draw from Fred. But we're going to ask you to dive into your top three leadership hacks. So they're your top three tips, tools or ideas. What would they be? My favorite one that I tell everybody, and it's because I have to tell myself every day too, is the one word, start. Just start something. If you, it, It's amazing how the the hardest thing for human beings to do is to start and it and and then you get through it whether it's working out i've begun more workouts by saying look i'm just going to do some push-ups because uh, i don't have any time and i don't feel like it but i just drop to the floor and i do them what happens next i do some sit-ups and then before you know it i'm saying i might as well go for a run or a bike ride but i started but what we do is we we do everything but start and we'll burn two hours sometimes. Um, I was reading that the, the guy who, who wrote The Alchemist and uh, um, I'm, I'm forgetting his his Coelho is his last name. I'm forgetting his first name. But he's, he was saying, I do everything possible in the house before I start writing. <laughs> he says, I will, I'll clean everything. I'll sharpen pencils. I'll walk the dog. I'll take two showers. He says, it's like, finally, I'll sit down and I'll start. We all do it. We torment ourselves. So that thing, if you just start to say, I'm just going to start right now, sit down, do it. And all of a sudden, away you go, whatever it is. Yeah. The other big hack for me is, is to celebrate failure as a step up to say uh, to uh, it, it's a two-stage process you have you can feel you you can feel terrible about it for 10 minutes 20 minutes 30 minutes whatever it takes and then now you're going to say okay what's in this for me what what how do i mine this for for information so you have you have a you allow yourself the emotional reaction, but you don't stay attached to it for the rest of the month or the year or forever. You say, "All right, there it is. I, I had the emotional outburst uh, for what happened. What's in this for me? What's and and there's a there's a term in Aikido where it's called um, embrace the hit as a gift. And the more I've done that in life, the more I've said, "Wow, this is terrible." What's in it for me and then it turns into something really interesting and i've lost i've lost a million dollars on stuff and it was actually it was expensive tuition but i learned from it and i and i multi i turned it into a multiple of learning from that yeah so that's that's very powerful um and then the other hack is to get really good at asking for help Try to figure out who can help you and stop and, and it, you know, it gets you, keeps you from being a micromanager or a soloist because collaboration is amazingly powerful. I am a much better speaker because I get feedback all the time on it. I have, I have a personal coach that talks to me every week and it's painful sometimes because he says, because he ends every session with an action plan. Like, what are you, you going to do it? Like I'm, I'm doing a work, a super bold workshop 
Um, and I've been wanting to do it since I put the book out. And so he finally said to me, so what's the boldest thing you could be doing? Which, of course, is a very painful challenge. He knows exactly <laughs> how, to, how to come at me. And I said, well, that, that would be the workshop. He said, okay, how long would it take you to put a workshop together? I said, yeah, probably about 90 days. He said, all right, so what's the date? Uh, 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 okay, uh, June 24th, 20, June 24th, 25th. He said, all right, put it on the calendar. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. I'm I'm aiming for that date. I have to make it happen because I I've booked the rooms. Now you you just start to put you you basically you do this. This is this is another hack. Let the door lock behind you. Don't give yourself a way out. So you have to figure out what to do. Yeah, love that. Burn you know if they call it you know burning the boats in the harbor or whatever. But but it's like if you if you say well if this doesn't work out I can always just do this. It's like the the entrepreneurs I know that succeeded. They got in so deep they couldn't get out. Tony Shea was in so deep with his money, he had to make Zappos work. Very true. I get in so deep with 800 dentists, I had to make it work. I owed my family money. I owed $200,000 in media that I had to figure out how to pay. You know, I had a personal guarantee on the rent. It was like I, I, had, uh, I had three doors locked behind me. Mm. My partner and I had to figure it out. Focuses the attention, doesn't it? That's for sure. Yeah. So next part of the show, we call it Hack to Attack. So this is typically where something in your life or work has not worked out at all well, maybe even screwed up and been catastrophic. But as a result of it, that experience is now serving you really well in your life or work. What would be your hack to attack? A lot of people fall for this, and I certainly have, which is the whole sunk cost thing, where where you say, oh, I, I've got so much into this, I have to keep putting money into it instead of cutting your losses, saying, look, take the pain now because it's just going to get bigger. It's and and you're going to and you know, sometimes it's about money, sometimes you you've put so much money into something, you bought this piece of technology and you're trying to make it work and it's it's the wrong technology. It doesn't it doesn't fit or it's too old or it's the you know, whatever. And you just have to sell it or park it and get the right technology or it's the right person mm. versus the wrong person. Everybody I know in business fires that person that they know they need to get rid of months after they know they need to get rid of them. Yeah. And it's so it's you got to you got to that's you got a sunk cost in that person. You say, I spent so much time and money training them. I think I can make them better. You can't. (laughs) It's very true. Get rid abandon the sunk cost. So that's that's been, you know, just applying that to money and and in things that i've put time and money into and people yeah very it's it's benefited me so much now because it's i got so many scars from it yeah the last thing i want to explore with you is you're now 21 years old you're toe-to-toe with fred and you get a chance to give him some words of wisdom what would it be nothing bad happens unless you decide to label it that way. Nice. And all these things you're afraid of are things you really want to do. So do them. Yeah. Be af- be willing to be afraid and do them. And use the fear as as an as as a directional signal for yourself. And of course fear is one of the very reasons why we avoid boldness in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. 
because because we we are, we are incredibly good at calculating the worst case scenario in our heads and the voice in our head loves to come up with all of these things but really terrible at calculating the odds of it actually happening yeah very true just look at at, at, at you know smiling at 10 people a day somebody's not going to smile back but a really shy person says nobody's going to smile back but until you do it and you realize nine out of ten people smile back and so the the 10th person who knows why it could be the worst day of their life they could have bad teeth yeah you, you don't have when you learn not to take it on that's a really powerful thing i'd say that to fred too you don't have to take any of this stuff on just keep moving we're, we're all flawed human beings working our way through yeah. life billionaires and homeless people that's that's we're all in a struggle nobody is perfect and trying to be perfect before you leave the house is a failed strategy so in terms of dosage i would love to have more of a dose of fred but we're coming to the top of the show uh what i would love to do though fred is to let our listeners know how they can get hold of some of the tools you talked about maybe get a copy of Super Bold and learn a little bit more about the work that you do beyond what we've talked about today. Yeah, easiest place is to go to fredjoyle.com. You can download the first chapter of the book there. You can buy the book on Amazon. It's in uh, hardcover and Kindle and Audible, and it's me reading it. And if you do the digital version of it, you can go to fredjoyle.com and download the exercises because there's a whole bunch of exercises you're going to want a physical copy of them so there's a pdf of them in in the website you can also see a couple of boldness lectures that i've done there uh and if you're in la or if you're in, willing to, to fly in the first workshop is going to be june 24th and 25th in santa monica um and then uh, I'm going to be doing them around the country. And who knows, I might have to go to London. You know, yeah, to do it. exactly right. So, Fred, I just want to say thanks ever so much. Uh, I knew the first time I met you that there was a reason I'd met you. Having now read your book and you've been on the show, uh, you have definitely shone a light on the lack of boldness I didn't even know I had and helped me reinforce some great behavior. So I just want to say personally thank you. But also thank you for being part of our community on the Leadership Hacker podcast. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. I hope uh, everyone benefits. I want to sign off by saying a thank you to you for joining us on the show too. We recognize without you there is no show. So please continue to share, subscribe and like and continue to get in touch with us with the great news stories that we share every week. And so that we can continue to bring you great stories, please make sure you give us a five-star review where you can and share this podcast with your friends, your teams, any communities. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Leadership Hacker, Leadership Hacker on YouTube, and on Instagram, the underscore leadership underscore hacker. And if that wasn't enough, you can also find us on our website, leadership-hacker.com. Tune in to next episode to find out what great hacks and stories are coming your way. That's me signing off. I'm Steve Rush, and I've been your Leadership Hacker.